Welcome to Swisscast with yours, Swahib Web. Always great to be with you. Want to send a special shout out to all the people that have really participated in helping make this podcast special. Uh, Dr. Khala Baydoun, if you haven't heard our interview together, it's really, really incredible. And just recently, last week, Councilman Bashir Jones from Cleveland, Ohio. What a powerful evening and interview. And then, of course, we have a number of really interesting guests um, that I think are going to share perspectives that are often um, not heard, but are very interesting and kind of touch people's intellectual and spiritual funny bones. That being said, I also want to thank everybody for sharing the content, writing reviews, offering critical feedback. Listen, most of the imams, most of the activists I know across the spectrum are self-funded, self-supported. You look at most mosques across this country, you find one imam overworked, stressed out, really pushing it. Um, but then you look at most other religious congregations, one, two, three, four, five pastors. The point is that our imams and leaders have reached a point in content providers and students of knowledge where they're not even asking people for money, they're just asking people to share their content. It's crazy, right? So when you share their content, when you share my content, what you're doing is you're validating your own voice. You're sanctioning a voice within your community. And it's very important that that communal sanctioning happens because what that does is that allows us to construct real voices of meaning in our community and protect us from those on the outside who are outside of our community who may be trying to fund efforts inside our community to create certain realities and voices. It gets deep, man. So I just want to thank you for sharing my content. Um, it's done really well, and I'm, I'm, I'm humbled, and I'm thankful to Allah, and thankful that Allah has brought you into my life. Now, around a month and a half ago, I started kind of the Swiss cast with a discussion on being woke. We know that the term being woke is really an ambiguous term, primarily used by people on the left, center left, far left, who you know, are engaged in a post-Trump era, even during Obama, who use that term to express the fact that they're woke around issues touching our race, the economy, politics, media, culture, entertainment, you name it. So wakefulness now is this idea that I haven't been placated to sleep by the system or the world around me, opulence, my race, my color, my identity, you name it. And, and of course, it was really surprising for a number of people when I shared that podcast, noting how the idea of al-yaqadah, wakefulness, is something central to Islam's tradition, especially Islam's spiritual tradition, and deeply embedded in the, the cognitive sciences of Islam was this kind of idea of wakefulness as a starting point for many people in their relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And people begin to ask me, like, why didn't we share this first? Like, why are we always waiting on what becomes popular? Why are we always waiting on what is presented? Like, now we find young Muslim men looking up to Ben Shapiro, a known Islamophobe. Uh, we find young Muslim men leaning towards, like, J Jason uh, Peterson out of Canada. And people begin to ask questions, like, why is it that we can't lead? Why is it that we're always following? And I think there's a number of reasons. Number one is... When you don't know your past and you don't know your tradition and you don't know who you are and if you're not aware of what you are spiritually then it becomes very easy to become what you're not i mean if you think about simba in the lion king 
you know, he finally has to look into the pond. That's his moment of yaqadha to realize his wakefulness. I'm not a pig. I'm a lion. So when we are not familiar at a deeper level with the vastness of our spiritual tradition, our sacred texts, ideas that were shared by scholars before us, and not just learning that to romanticize that because that's the other problem. If the tradition is simply romanticized, then it can be calibrated to speak to our contextual reality. So that's a problem. So we rest really between two extremes. One is a hyper ignorance of the potential of our sacred texts and our tradition. And number two is, is a set of people who learn sacred texts and the tradition and that's where they stop because it's just about that moment, that, that idea of romanticizing the tradition and sacred text. Whereas what we need is to calibrate, right? And speak to and lead in our moment. As Allah says, Kuntum ummatin right? You are the best community, sin for the benefit of the people. And as Allah, as Allah quotes one of the prophets saying, Right? There's no true successful guidance, meaning being able to speak and address an issue and remedy an issue as it happens. It's called tawfiq. One of my teachers said tawfiq only appears once in the Quran because it's so rare, subhanAllah. So I decided in that vein to challenge myself to think about what would happen beyond the idea of being woke. What happens beyond wakefulness? That's uncharted territory, because when I look at some of the restrictions of, say, the left or the right, I worry that, that, that if we were to buy into those constructions, they would limit the potential of our community. Not only is it problematic just to blindly follow what they're putting out there without having our own voice in the matter, but second to that is even if they put out something that our tradition sanctions, right? That our tradition finds is valuable, that our tradition and our sacred text see as something acceptable. The trajectory of that idea and that thought has to be guided by our sacred text and our tradition. So I begin to ask myself, what happens beyond wakefulness? What happens beyond being woke? In an effort perhaps to also share our thoughts right and our positions as of course i've understood them and i may be wrong here with other communities and say hey this is how islam looks at wakefulness this is how islam approaches the idea of being woke and these are the steps that happen thereafter now we we mentioned the quote of imam ibn qayyim uh, who he takes from the great sufi scholar al-harari sheikh al-islam uh, the idea of al-yaqadha wakefulness is the first manzil is the first station, manazil as-sa'irin, from the stations of the seekers. Ibn Qayyim calls it madaj as-sadiqin, the steps of those who are seeking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then we talked about the verse, قُلْ إِنَّمَا أَعِذُكُمْ بِوَاحِدَةً which is in Surah Al-Sabah, verse 46, where Allah instructs the Prophet to make maw'idah. The word maw'idah means to speak or address or to communicate to someone in a way that is going to wake them up and discourage them from evil and encourage them towards good. Right, that you should that you should stand for Allah. We said the word we said the word is noted by scholars, taqumu actually is a rhetorical usage, meaning do something that makes you stand up. 
right? Do something that pulls you out of a state of slumber. And that's why if you look at the tafsir, you're going to find that many of the early scholars said, right? That to stand here, the idea is an amal that forces you to stand, an action that makes you take a position as though you're stood up. And that's the, the expression of wakefulness. Now, what lies beyond that? First of all, how do people wake up? So we find the Quran mentions a number of examples. Uh, first is the guidance of God. People's hearts are touched, you know. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah says, as, the, as for the one who was dead, and we brought him to life. Now, a cursory reading may cause somebody to think, oh, this is talking about the hereafter and after resurrection. And, and that's plausible. But Imam al-Qurtubi and others mentioned that this actually was revealed when Umar ibn Khattab accepted Islam. Now all of us know who Umar was and what he represents. And the fact that you know his, 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 his slave woman said about him that his donkey would accept Islam before him. I mean, this is how bad he was. He was a social agitator. He was someone who did not value the poor. He did not look at immigrants very fondly. Um, women, he, you know, his engagement in society was that of just a complete narcissist, drunk in his own hubris. So Allah refers to that person as being dead. So here, here's something we can share theologically that when someone is not socially and politically upright, when someone is not concerned with the people around them and they don't have a heart that concern, has concern for others, Islam sees them as dead spiritually dead so Allah says Allah said the one who is dead and we brought him to life we brought him to life and we gave him a light we're going to talk about what that light is uh, later on inshallah because that's talking about what happens after the what happens after the wakefulness is that you were given a light what is light here representing Hmm. So now we're starting to take some steps beyond wakefulness, beyond the moment, beyond the event. Oftentimes, Muslims, we tend to look at our religion as a set of events that are going to ginseng our spirituality, that are going to give us a shot of, you know, steroids, if you will, to give us a sudden boost. Whereas in reality, emergent religious literacy and spiritual growth coupled with adherence is always most successful when it happens through a process, not events. So you can think about someone that tries to lose weight and they go on like a one day diet or two day diet or three day diet where they just drink juice. Of course you're gonna lose weight. But what about people who make long term changes in their diet? Those are people that are gonna have much more better health and a much more higher success rate. So Allah says, there's that moment, there's that moment of wake, wakefulness, and then we brought him to life. There it is. So one of the ways that people attain religious, spiritual wakefulness is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides their heart, as is mentioned in the Quran. The, the, the second way is through knowledge. You know, we learn something, we become aware of something, we engage cognitively, and that, that reformats the, the furnishings in our mind. 
and causes us to look at things differently. And that's why knowledge is so important. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, that Allah taught you, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what you did not know. So the Prophet becomes aware through learning that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala engages and opens up his eyes through cognition. The third way that people become wakeful uh, or experience being woke is the term, right? Is through events in their life. You know, one of my teachers used to say that it's from the mercy of Allah that if a person's heart can't humble them and if their intellect can't humble them, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala furnishes events in their life that force them to realize their weaknesses. Subhanallah. That's one of the blessings of tests. Allah says in the Quran, we are going to test you with evil and good as a fitna. The word fitna actually is from fatan, which means to burn something, right? To burn gold or silver until it comes out pure. So oftentimes we have all this filth and all this nastiness that's blinding us spiritually and intellectually and socially. And then we go through it and we experience hardship and tests and difficulties and that burns all that evil off of us. And then we come out pure, shining like that gold and silver. That's what the hadith of Sayyidina Ali said that the Prophet said, that indeed a servant of Allah is going to be tested with, with hardship and trials like gold and silver is tested with fire, subhanAllah. So we believe that events in life, whether good or bad, are meant actually, as Allah says in the Quran, right? We're going to test you. And this is in Surah Al-Anbiya. We're going to test you with evil and good so that you can come back to us, right? So that's a means of achieving that wakefulness. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Allah says in Surah Baqarah, we're going to test you, right? With loss of life, loss of property, hunger, fear, illness, you name it, right? Give good news to those who are patient. So really three areas that we've touched on that may spurn wakefulness, sincere wakefulness in a person. Number one is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala touches their hearts. We ask Allah to touch our hearts. Number two is through learning and engagement and increasing our knowledge. And then number three are life events. So now hardship, success, failure, all those are kind of seen in a broader metalogic of all of this is meant to bring me to some kind of station of awareness in my relationship with God and in my relationship with society and the world around me. Really, really, really super important. And that's why based on that third one, you know, the Prophet said, Whoever Allah intends good for, he tests them. Who are those who are tested the most? The prophets and the righteous. So those three are kind of areas that are going to bring a person into a state of wakefulness. Now, what is beyond being woke? We're going to talk a little bit about that today and then in the future we'll add more to it and then we're going to extend the idea of wakefulness in our acts of worship in our akhlaq in our engagements with people uh in and outside of our community uh, as this series continues in the future inshallah from time to time <clears throat> but allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in surah yusuf verse number 108 
begins to lay out what I would consider are the foundations of what happens beyond being woke. Because being woke is an event. And as I said earlier, events are important, but we're talking about a process. In my explanation of Shulti Yasin, which you'll find on this podcast, I talk about why the word Sirat is from Sirat was seen, because the path is long, man. The path is wide. That's why the word Sirat, it doesn't have a plural, right? So in order for me to survive that long, long, long trek, Right, I can't just be doing that based on events. I'm gonna go to this conference and become the best Muslim in the world. I'm gonna go to Umrah and turn my life around. I'm gonna do this and that. That's a very, very simplistic, uh, reductive way of looking at spiritual and religious growth and responsibility. So the, the event, if our wakefulness, our being awakened is real, then that's going to lead us to follow a process that's going to maintain that newfound commitment, that newfound awareness. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قُلْ هَذِهِ سَبِيلِي أَدْعُوا إِلَى اللَّهِ عَلَى بَصِيرًا أَنَا وَمَنِ اتَّبْعَنِي وَسُبْحَانَ اللَّهِ وَمَا أَنَا مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ Here we find the beginnings of the steps that should follow true wakefulness. Because if I experience kind of a religious epiphany, Paul going to Damascus, if you will. And then suddenly I allow that simply to, for me to, I'm going to create an Instagram page. I'm going to get a camera. I'm just going to go share with people my spiritual experience. That's problematic. And they may, that may not be sincere because the, the true awakening is not going to compel me to suddenly direct that towards people. The opposite, I'm going to start to work on myself to ensure that that wake awakening is real, to ensure the health of that awakening that is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what are those first steps? What happens beyond wakefulness? Allah says, قُلْ هَذِهِ So the first is Allah says, basira. Say, this is my way, I call to Allah. Right. What happens after I've accepted Allah? Ada basira. I call to Allah on basira. So I'm woke, right? I'm lit in the sense of like I'm 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 awakened. I'm seeing, but I'm doing this and I'm experiencing this rigorously and deliberately in the right way. In the right way, and the right way starts with what basira. The word basira is translated usually as like knowledge. But basira is something greater than knowledge. And here I need to unpack something in the Arabic language that we lose in translation. And that is that basira is actually the outcome of something. In Arabic, this is called majaz al-aqli, where you mention the outcome so that people can see the outcome and then think about it in a way that allows them now to become strategically invested in that outcome. Meaning, if I were to say to you like, the championship and we were starting our basketball season, right? Then that would cause you to think about like everything you've got to do to win that championship. So Allah is saying basira, the word basira means sight, perception, vision. How do you call to Allah in a way as though your wokefulness is you're seeing, right? And what's the relationship between that and knowledge? Like why would most scholars say, you know, basira bi ma'na al-ilm? You know, basira means knowledge. 
this is incredible. And, and, and this is really why, as I stressed earlier, the investment in understanding our tradition is so important because we have so much good to offer the world around us. Wallahi. Um, the outcome is mentioned as if to say you've got to invest in what you need to do to gain that outcome, like the championship I mentioned earlier, right? So why would Allah mention sight, vision, perception, but mean knowledge? That implies that I've got to invest myself in my moment of wakefulness in such a rigorously powerful way, an honest way, and sincere way, and with such depth that the knowledge I've acquired it is though I'm seeing with it. Subhanallah, man. That is, that's incredible, man. So it is though like what I've learned is so honest and so in line with reality. It is though that has become vision. It's become what I see with. It's like sight itself. Now, of course, that's impossible for us as mere mortals. But what we are told to do in this verse is to learn and invest in learning. Why is that important? Because when people tend to experience religious awakenings, I've noticed this a lot. They immediately rush to a set of assumptions about who they used to be. Bad people, right? And then allow that to shade how they see the rest of the world, especially the community of the Prophet. So the awakening, if it's not coupled with real understanding of community and the engagement of the community and learning the foundations of religion at a deeper way, what that leads to is a person who simply begins to be a mouthpiece used to attack the community, to attack the scholars, to attack the laity to attack civilization because they are very much projecting their own experience because an empty vessel can only give you what's inside it. Right? So they haven't engaged in learning properties to the point that their knowledge becomes sight. So what becomes the source of their sight? What becomes their vision was their experiences. So I was horrible. I was bad. I was doing all these evil things. Therefore the rest of the people were just like me. And that's why the Prophet said, the opposite of Basira is is a bad suspicion. Stay away from suspicion. Stay away from evil. We see that the Prophet he illustrates this to us in a very profound way. When a man walks into his mosque and sits down and the Prophet sees him at that time his masjid was extremely small. But the Prophet doesn't go off on him. And he doesn't even say in Arabic, you know, why didn't you pray? He says to him in a way which is like inquisitive, hey, did you pray? He doesn't say to him, stand and pray. And then the guy says, no, I didn't. Then the prophet says, didn't stand and pray. The point is the prophet is not allowing anything but basira, anything but real understanding, anything but real knowledge of the situation, even though he saw the guy. He still asks him. Now, what about the person who has religious epiphanies 
and doesn't engage the community, doesn't talk to scholars, doesn't talk to people, and begins to attack them and destroy them and bring them down simply based on the fact that he is using his own, she's using her own experiences to color and animate how they see the Muslim community. Wow. Basira, man. The second thing that we learn about Basira is that Basira means vision, sight, perception. So when I look at something, I'm not only seeing the meta of its reality, but I'm also seeing the minuscule of its reality. My eyes are seeing, you know, the larger objects as well as the smaller objects. So Basira here means that I have knowledge of the foundation, fundamental issues of whatever thing I'm worried about, whatever thing I'm trying to take on. So if it's religion, I'm going to engage in a way which makes sure that I've got my fardu ayn down. I'm reciting the Quran properly. I'm observing certain character. I understand that I can use religious resources to inform, inform me about decisions I'm making in my life. But then also as a content provider, as an imam, as a sheikh, whatever, I've engaged the community to the point that I'm able to understand the complexities of that engagement. So I'm seeing the meta as well as seeing the minuscule. That's basira. So basira means learning the kulliyat and the juziyat, learning the big and the small, so that now my sight is complete. My pixels are killing the game, man. My heart is aware as though I'm seeing I'm seeing things. Now we can take this and extend it beyond our sphere as a faith, our sphere as a religious community, and talk about activism and engagement and participation, politics, the economy, policy, you name it. I need to make sure that I'm informed at a broader level, but also I'm not missing the smaller things so that the knowledge I have is though I am seeing with my knowledge. So that's why Imam Ahmed and others, when they talked about the idea of Basira, they said, right? Understanding the religion and understanding the people that you serve, right? That can be now transplanted into any situation. Because one of the concerns I see in America now, and I have to be honest, I'm more of a center left person, um, is a lot of su'udhan with each other, man. Perpetuated by, of course, a leader who is uh, successfully irresponsible, a man-child, and someone who lacks any real investment in knowing people, just a set of assumptions and lies and nonsense. And I worry that that's carrying over into society in ways that both sides of the aisle, right, the left and the right, uh, are filled with a number of just like really unhealthy suspicions about one another, where some of those things could be talked through, knowledge, learning, engagement, building. So basira now is the first step beyond being woke. It's not enough that I've just had a religious experience and now I'm going to share that with the world because after a while, that's going to that's gonna stop. I've got to keep learning. I've got to keep engaging. You know, I know that in the Jafari tradition, I was told by a scholar, I found this very profound, that for a, a religious scholar or teacher to justify that they continue to receive zakat, they have to be still learning. You just don't stop learning, right? So whether scholar, whether new Muslim, whether someone who's received a religious epiphany, that wakefulness, whether in the, 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 the public square, the religious square, 
the political square, wherever you are, right? That has to be coupled with a commitment to constantly making sure that my sight, my knowledge is real. So let me break this down one more time to make sure that we've understood it. Oftentimes in Arabic, the outcome of something is mentioned to cause a person to step back and think about how do I re reach that outcome? It says a lot about the philosophy of Islam and the idea of qada and qadr and working, by the way, that we could unpack in the future. So when Allah says, وَأَنزَلْنَا مِنَ السَّمَاءِ رِزْقًا We send provisions from the heavens. Everyone immediately thinks rain, but the word rizqa doesn't mean rain. Rizqa means your husband, your wife, your kids, your job, your car, your success, whatever you have in life. Right. So sending from the heavens your risk. Right. In those days, people thought it camels. Right. They thought it thought of it as a harvest. Right. So the word risk immediately immediately forces me to think about the outcome of rain. Right. The outcome of what Allah has sent down are these things. They didn't come from the heavens. Then how am I going to cause that to happen in my personal place of in, in, influence? It's very powerful, very meaningful. So the same thing here, I invite to Allah on sight, on perception. Well, how do you achieve that perception? How do you achieve that? What leads to that is cognition, familiarity, engagement, growing up in a community, engaging that community, being nurtured by that community, being sanctioned by that community, coupled with knowledge that I can use to guide and lead the community. That is basira. And that is the first step beyond wakefulness, being woke. We'll talk about the others, inshallah ta'ala, in the future. Barakallahu feekum. Wa sallallahu ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Wa salamu alaykum wa rahmatullah.